You're listening to a Toe Network production, putting heroes on trial because someone has to. And I'm Amit, and you are listening to Moonspeak. I'm a magical girl rookie, and Sono is a vet, so prepare yourself to be enchanted as we delve deep into each act. And this episode is Act 4, um, Masquerade, something, something. Uh, Masquerade, Dance Ball, Dance Party. Dance Party, yeah, something like that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah something to that effect. Masquerade well, is the important part. Yes, yes it is. And once again, I was going to write that in the notes, but I didn't somehow, so, whoops. <laughs> All right, um, before we continue, remember everybody, please watch this legally on Crunchyroll and on Hulu, wherever you can. Uh, it's, um, it's an easy experience and it's a good show, so, anyway. It's uh, very important to do that if we want to keep getting this. Cause and they're, then, they're looking at the numbers, and that's right. the only numbers they're looking at. And the, um, the Funimation dub is scheduled to come out in November, right? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, we don't... I mean, news isn't an important factor here, but, uh, you know, keeping people informed of certain things is good. Yeah, keep everyone updated. Okay, so, uh, yeah, in this episode, a lot of affirmation of things that Sono, you know, his prior knowledge brought to us before, but I'm just going to state them anyway. So, like, the legendary silver crystal and the princess of the moon kingdom are linked, and she'll be awakened or unsealed when all the sailor guardians are active, which is interesting. I think it's a really good structure, especially for something... That's a, you know, a weekly show or it, it, an episodic uh, series. It it uh, keeps momentum going for everything, which I like a lot. Yeah, it definitely gives us a solid framework for where we're headed with this part of the story. Uh, so far, all of this has been kind of loosely linked to each other just by the narrative. But now, uh, the, this is really tying together the princess, the crystal, and the guardians. And now that we've got kind of the basics of laying the world out, out of the way, everything's really starting to become tighter. Especially with the, uh, you know, a little bit more of exposition that we got with the, uh, you know, the kings of darkness, that they're going after the same thing. So, uh, basically, <laughs> both sides need this legendary silver crystal. So that's going to put them in conflict with each other, yeah. you know, we, by necessity. So that's great. The, the good guys and the bad guys both after this kind of source of infinite power and whoever gets it kind of wins. Yeah, and it, it's nice that it's not uh, arbitrary. And um, I, I'm sure that's not where he got it from. But uh, I thought, oh, I, I know Joss Whedon likes, uh, you know, girly things for lack of a better term. Because um, this uh, the Silver Crystal reminds me of the um, Tesseract from, you know, the Marvel movies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Uh, so Legendary Silver Crystal is a source of infinite energy like we talked about. So Yeah, and this, again, leads back to uh, the Old Moon Kingdom itself and where this whole conflict with Beryl started. And I'm, I'm really excited for us to be moving towards that because that's some of my favorite stuff. Uh, I love a lot of the backstory stuff in Sailor Moon, so I'm really excited that we're kind of pushing in that direction. Yeah, and then 
Um, you know, just going on with more character-based stuff and less, like, information uh, or exposition. Uh, we get to see Ray's powers, her psychic powers, being, like, vital to the plot because she uses them at the uh, dance party to get a sense that... Uh, or she, she actually gets a sense about the dance party that it's going to be... There's going to be trouble there, you know? Yeah. Uh, Ray's kind of awareness was used a lot early on in the series, and I believe... Uh, I can't remember if they do this in in the manga, but in the first series, uh, kind of Ray's psychic powers is what kicks off a later plot arc. So she, that's definitely something that they keep rolling. Ray Ray's psychic powers are something that really does stick with her. That's good to know. Um, let's see, next one. Okay, so uh, Mamoru at the uh, dance when he was dancing with Usagi ran from Luna as if he sensed her presence. Uh, it is interesting that she recognizes that he is an unknown quantity and could be a danger to their cause. Uh, it's an angle I didn't see uh, beforehand, of course, and it adds a lot of tension and drama. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, things that fed into Mamoru in this episode. There's still a whole lot of things we don't know, but we got a lot more now than we have in the previous three episodes. You could kind of qualify this as his introduction episode, a little bit, uh, not completely, but this is really where we start to get introduced to him as a person. Uh, I was a little surprised that they didn't have little flashes with him when he was with Usagi like Ami and Ray had. Though, knowing a couple things that I don't think are in play yet, there is uh, possibly a good reason for that. But definitely take him running from Luna as an important instinct that he reacted on. Uh, they put a lot more emphasis on this in Crystal than they did in the manga. Uh, it actually kind of caught me off guard that he reacted directly to Luna and took off, and I thought that was a really nice touch Uh knowing what I do about him and what's going to come into play later. Yeah, I want to stay away from speculation because I think in other stuff that I've speculated, um, it's kind of boring in retrospect. So um, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to go into the implications I think that has for him, but it definitely makes him a interesting character and more important or important to the story for more than being, you know, tuxedo mask. I think there's something deeper. So that's you know, definitely has a draw on me. Uh, let's see. Oh, I thought it was, um, well, I'll just say it like this. Uh, Nephrite gender swapping, uh, was pretty awesome. Uh, it's interesting that he possessed the princess with a Yoma after that. So he can possess people. No, he transformed into that lady and then he possesses people and that's how he makes his Yoma or servants. Yeah. Um, in the manga, I think the attendant had been a separate Yoma, and then Nephrite just uh, possessed the princess via the shadow after that. It was kind of nice to see him being a little more active in doing it this time around, in disguising himself and going in. Um, I'm not sure if it was meant to kind of put an emphasis on women generally holding more, more power in this universe, uh, but it did kind of give that feel where it was the princess and the attendant, and he had to kind of disguise himself as a woman to go in and take on this other form of a woman to get to get close to the princess and to the treasure that he wanted. Um, again, I, I don't know or really think that was something that was intentional, but I like reading into a lot of the, the feminine empowerment in Sailor Moon. 
Yeah, it, it adds definitely a cool, uh, like, extra punch, you know? Okay, so uh, uh, Lunar Ray and Ami haven't come down hard on Usagi for being flighty, um, but they recognize her issues, and I think that we will see them help her to take on the leadership role as time goes on. Yeah, Ray in the first series was generally a lot harder on Usagi, though it was always because she cared. It was always because they were friends and she knew Usagi could be better. But she was pretty hard on her. Uh, even in the manga, Ray handled that scene like she was trying to keep a bit more distance. Uh, which I think kind of feeds into what I was talking about Ray last time. That she's sort of afraid of being rejected, so she does the rejecting. She wants to be a part of this and be friends with Usagi and Ami, but she's still keeping her distance a little. I do think it's nice that they never really treat the way Usagi is as bad. That, that she's kind of flighty, that that's not really a bad thing to them. They understand that it's kind of a weakness, but at this point I think even Luna's kind of aware that it's also part of what makes Usagi so strong. Uh, Usagi's enormous heart and her inability to really let things drag her down is kind of the most important part of who she is. And being a little flighty is just part of that. It's what brought Ami and Rei to her and to each other. So none of them can really be angry at her for it. They can just kind of help her to get better when it counts. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's really cool. And I'm, I'm interested to see... Um, I'll ask this. There's more Sailor Moon than just this. Like, there's something called... Um, there's a Sailor Moon R and there's Sailor Moon Stars. Is that all related to the manga? Yeah. And, and like, how many years does the manga cover? More or less. I believe by the time... Stars is the last arc of Sailor Moon as a whole. Um, I believe by the time we get to Stars, they're all just starting high school. The girls are all starting high school and Mamoru is in college. So oh, really? It, it spans at least... It spans a good couple of years. Okay. The story as a whole. Um, R is the arc where we start... Where we get uh, Chibiusa and start getting the Outers... And uh, there's uh, the original anime had uh, the first season, or just Sailor Moon Classic, then R, S, Supers, and Stars. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how close that breakdown is in the manga, but it moves into introducing uh, more characters, more storylines. So it does, the story itself does span kind of a, a much bigger thing than we're seeing just yet. Okay, and the reason I bring that up is because I, uh, probably because I'm obsessed with Star Wars, um, I kind of saw this as like a hero's journey sort of thing for Usagi to some extent, and maybe a little bit of like a, a coming-of-age story for her growing up, and I don't, you know, in retrospect, I don't actually think that's what it's going to be, but I can see her needing to do some growing up, and um, of course it'll be dramatic and compelling and interesting to watch, otherwise if she was just a static flat character, it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, potentially. But, yeah, uh, it, is, it is very much, um, in a way, a coming of age for her for all, and for all of the girls. Um, and it's very much sort of a journey for them. Not exactly uh, in the Star Wars sense of them needing to go places and do something. They all stay very much where they are. But it's sort of the journey comes to them. And they kind of go through the, through their the journey is kind of their lives 
that they're figuring out as they're doing this. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I was just thinking, like, oh, it might be cool to see um, how that flighty aspect of her translates into her as, like, a woman if we ever get to see her, uh, you know, as an older person. But We definitely do get to see a little bit of that. Actually, no, we get to see uh, a lot of that when oh. we hit uh, the next arc. Okay. Uh, huh. think it, thinking on it, on what I know is coming, we actually, there's a lot of that that's going to come, which, again... If we want to get, if we want to see Crystal get to that stuff, everyone, please keep watching the, uh, like, Hulu and Crunchyroll and the official sources so that uh, Toei knows this is popular enough to keep doing. Yeah, definitely. I want to see it. <laughs> Do it for me, if not for yourselves. It's good stuff. <laughs> Okay, so then, uh, the Moon Tiara having been destroyed previously and then regenerated by the love or warmth, uh, as she put it, Usagi feels for Tuxedo Mask is, uh, a very effective move or play, I, w- I would say. Yeah, I thought that was really sweet, and it's very much, again, uh, some important foreshadowing for things, uh, to come. Emotions, particularly love and friendship, are such a central theme to this show, uh, that that's really, it's, good that they're putting an emphasis on that's where the power is coming from. All right. Um, oh, so then, you know, I kind of talked about this already, but in the, at the end of the episode, the Four Kings of Darkness uh, basically set up the stakes and call out the Sailor Guardians to stop them uh, from allowing their great ruler to dominate the Earth. Yeah, this... The four of them showing up was surprising. Actually, in the manga, Jadeite was just dead after uh, Rey defeated him. He was what? he was completely gone. Oh my gosh. So it actually caught me really off guard this week seeing him still around. So I'm really curious as to what they're going to do uh with the four of them since they're keeping Jadeite for the moment. I want to I really want to see where they're going to go with this since that's kind of really derailing from the manga. Huh. That's cool. I mean yeah, that is cool. That's actually very exciting because um, we've talked about them making changes before, but that's kind of a big change. But it, it could change next week. But <laughs> yeah, for all <laughs> we'll we see. know, but this is kind of a change that's going to hang on for a couple episodes. So I'm really excited to see how they're going to play this. Hmm. That's that's really great. Okay, um, so this is a little weird, but you know we're gonna we're gonna go through it. Um, yeah, we're gonna ta- we're gonna tackle this one. Because <laughs> it okay, kind of so, needs to be needs to be talked about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so subjectively, the kiss scene with the stroking of the face and the kissing felt romantic, but objectively, Mamoru kissing a sleeping Usagi is creepy. And I'm glad Luna called him out on it and asked what his deal is. Um, it, I, I think it could have gone a little farther though, because um, it's more like, "Hey, what are you doing?" In the sense that we are on a mission, and are you on board with us? Um, Whereas it should have gone to, like, why are you kissing a sleeping girl, you creep? <laughs> but, like, then he gives this, like, super ambiguous answer. Um, and it's a great hook for him as a character and, and for where the story's going to go. Uh, so I, I feel very conflicted about it. It, it could have happened without the creepy kiss. But, um, like, yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, as, when I was watching Sailor Moon at first, I was less than 10 years old. I was very young. So I remember always finding that, like, oh, very fairy tale romantic. 
But watching it now as an adult, it felt really, really creepy and uncomfortable, even knowing the things that I do uh, about Usagi and Mamoru out of the context of that moment. Mm -hmm. In the context, I definitely understand what's going on and why it's happening and why Mamoru does it. But outside of that, it really doesn't sit right. It's actually even worse in the manga, since oh. the reason she falls asleep isn't just because she's tired from fighting. In the manga, she's kind of worn out and wants some juice and accidentally picks up a glass of alcohol. Oh, boy. And that's what made her tired. Oh, my goodness. So this version is still pretty skeevy, but at least doesn't also have that. Right. Uh, the first series also had Usagi drunk from the drink mix-up, but she was very clearly at least still awake for okay. this whole scene. So that's also still creepy, but of the three, that's probably the least so. But yeah, this is a really, really weird scene that kind of happens and is really uncomfortable if you're an adult watching it and are kind of aw more aware of the world than you would be as a seven-year-old. Right. Um, good on Luna for stepping in and kind of breaking it up, uh, which, again, she did in the manga, but not in the first series. The first series, uh, they just end on the kiss, and Luna hmm. doesn't step in at all. Uh, I feel that, in a way, Luna does deserve as much credit as a guardian uh, as kind of everyone else especially for moments like this, where uh, the girls are all fighting against danger, but Luna's kind of always looking out for Usagi and the girls' best interests as a whole, on a personal level. Um, and I've always had a soft spot for Luna, so seeing those moments for her uh, is really great for me. I do kind of wish she'd be like, hey, why are you... you need to back off a little. She's not awake. <laughs> right. <laughs> But again, Luna wasn't there, so I'm not sure if Luna knew how awake she was and kind of the full context of the situation. Because Luna kind of walked in on it as the kiss was happening. Right. Uh, again, the ambiguity with Mamoru is uh, a really great thing. And again, I know why it's happening, but I don't want to say. Um, but I really do like that they that the ambiguity of are you an enemy or a friend is kind of played up this way, where he's like, I don't know, maybe I'm an enemy for all we know. <laughs> Let's see. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and just based on that, and we have a little more to discuss, but just based on all of that stuff that happened, I'm way more hooked into the show. Um, like I'm, I, this is it. I think I am a Sailor Moon fan, even though I've only seen a few episodes. Um. If you're only going to get into, you're only going to fall deeper into the rabbit hole. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I've been, um, well, I, I have small ones at home, and I've been thinking, like, oh, man, I should maybe, you know, uh, buy some of this merchandise. <laughs> you know, for them, not for me. Hey, I, I bought myself a phone case. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. it doesn't fit my phone. Oh. Yeah. But I, I still have it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I might, maybe I'll give it away later. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess, uh, that's actually where I, I saw on AmiAmi that they already have, um, like Blu-ray set for sale on those and just a bunch of crazy stuff. Uh, I, like you said, you know, we need to support the official U.S. or English international releases 
so that we can get more because they're they seem to be building up steam on on merchandising at least in Japan and you can get imports of course um so if you prefer that do that but definitely uh, the minimum is you should be watching it officially all right moving on we don't want to you know scare everybody <laughs> uh we're moving on to the frilly things cuz um i feel uh, frilly now after talking about this yeah. and it's good it's great um so Usagi wanted to uh, frivolously transform, and that was uh, that was a really cute moment. That was that was so cute. Her wanting to be a marathon runner so she could get to school quicker, um, and that's really that's so incredibly Usagi. And we saw so much in this episode of Usagi as a person, uh, kind of the sillier, lighter, just Usagi moments. This is the first time we saw any manga in Usagi's room which I've been wondering, where has she been keeping it if she had this huge pile of what seemed to be, like, magazines and not just collected issues, where she's apparently buying these magazines every week, and we haven't really seen them uh, in her room in Crystal. Uh, and we just, we see a lot of her that she likes, that she is a little lazy, that she goofs off and likes to take shortcuts. And I think that's a really great thing uh, to be shown off in this episode. You know, I think, uh, if I may... Go. Uh, something really good about that is she's obviously a good person, and she's helping and protecting and whatever, but besides that, she's, you know, she's a good friend and, and whatever. And I think it's cool that, um, you know, her imperfections can kind of show to the to the young audience and maybe remind uh, the older, cynical, scarred people watching, too, that, like, you know, if someone is a little lazy and and does like to take shortcuts and things like that, they can still be good-hearted and a good person at the core, and maybe you just need to, you know, gently remind them to shape up a little bit. And um, I think that's really good, because it, it, it shows people who are in that position, um, you know, the Usagis among us, that, you know, it's okay. Um, no, but like I it, said, Usagi has such a big heart, and that's really, like, the very core of who she is and what her strength is, and she, Usagi feels so real because of this. She feels like such a real person, that she's a little lazy, she likes to goof off, but she cares, and she wants to do the best she can. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, really effective, really effective stuff. You had a comment about Luna this time? Yeah, or... I, I just thought it was interesting that this time all of uh, the introductions were switched over to Luna, that Luna was handling, kind of reintroducing us this week uh, to everyone, to Sagi and Ami and Rei. Um, maybe it's because in the manga it was always Usagi, doing these introductions, and up uh, to this point in Crystal, again, it was Usagi. So handing it directly over to Luna and letting her kind of lay out uh, where we are uh, seemed very interesting this time. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that it's kind of a... There was a little bit of a feel of, feeling of a recap in this episode, but it was more just... Uh, I want to defend it because it was overall really good, so... I guess technically maybe it's a flaw or a fault, but uh, overall I like it. And if you have missed a week or, or two, um, it catches you up on who everybody is. And, you know, that can be good. Yeah, it and could be bad, but... 
It's okay. Yeah, and I guess since people coming in for the first time, since these are two weeks apart, it may kind of help keep everyone up to speed. That's true. I just, I wonder how it would be on a rewatch because I like to, well, I like to judge things both as, you know, if, yeah. how could, how do you marathon it and how is it week to week? Yeah, and uh, marathoning it, it would be like, okay, this is kind of redundant. <laughs> right. But again, like, when these were first coming out, they were chapters coming out weekly. So, again, like, in the manga, these, these introductions were still there and I can see the purpose for them. But again, uh, marathoning everything, kind of taking it in all at once, it does seem a little redundant. Yeah. Okay, um, Usagi uh, in detention and the interplay between Ami and Rei uh, was really uh, enjoyable to watch. This episode as a whole was really great for the character writing. The scene between Ami and Rei uh, in the arcade was a single panel in the manga. They just, we go into the arcade, they turn around and say, Usagi, you're late. So it made me really happy to see that moment between them kind of fleshed out into a full interaction. The little high five between Ami and Ray was the cutest thing I've ever seen. That was really adorable. And how Ray was embarrassed to have been excited over and, and excited to have succeeded at the game. Uh, Ray's kind of refined image is very important to her and she let that slip a moment. So even with how she's kind of pulling back and not quite ready to dive into this friendship as much as Ami is, you can see that she's kind of becoming more comfortable uh, with friends in a way that she's never really had the chance to be before. And the relationships that all of the girls have to each other is just as important as their relationship to Usagi, and the manga didn't give us as much of that early on, so since they're following the manga so closely, I'm glad to see that they're willing to kind of take those moments to really give us the friendships between the other girls. So I have another complaint, lest I seem like I can only praise the show, because that's not fair or fun to listen to. Um, Country D is uh, some lazy writing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it was always Country D or Kingdom D, and the D is for Diamond. We we all know that, but I'm really not sure why she Naoko decided to go kind of the lazy route and just be like, oh yeah, from place X. Um, maybe she didn't want to research where all what countries had high exports of diamonds, or didn't want to have to make up fake information about a real place to alienate anyone from there, but it always seemed kind of weird and lazy that if she was going to make up this country, that it was just country gate. It felt so, um, so weird, too, hearing the characters say it, because, you know, they do feel pretty real, so to hear them say country D, it was like, is this a joke? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway, it's funny, um, like, it would have been interesting if she was... If she had said, like, oh, diamonds, diamonds, oh, hey, I'll make it, you know, an African princess coming over. Like, that, that could have been a cool thing. Um, yeah. But, like, then again, then you have the danger of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Black Panther from Marvel. He He's from an imaginary African country called Wakanda. I'm a little um, bit familiar. Uh, yeah. Mostly because of Storm, because wasn't there some crossover with her with that at one point? Oh, uh, it's possible. I'm, uh, I, they, I just... Did they get married briefly? What? <laughs> I don't. I could, I could be completely wrong about that, but I we, feel we, like <laughs> Storm was involved with that with that fictional African country at some point. Yeah, you know what? Now that you say that, I kind of 
It sounds familiar. We apologize for anybody if you're a Marvel fan, uh, you know, write us an angry email or just say a nice email saying, hey guys, this is that information you guys were discussing. Yeah, because I, mean, um, I would, be I nice. would legitimately <laughs> like to know what that is because I can't remember at the moment because um, I've never been that big in that section of Marvel. All right, well, moving on from our ignorance. <laughs> Uh, so I thought it was kind of weird that we got a uh, Yoma name drop or uh, like title introduction kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, well they've they've always been called Yoma, and we've been calling them it spoken. They've been calling them Yoma the whole time, uh, but I guess now we're kind of moving toward actually calling them that instead of just generic evil. But we're also getting more information from Luna. Uh, Luna seems to be keeping a lot of secrets in this incarnation. And I mean, she always did, but she's not giving us as many reasons as to why just yet. So I'm kind of curious as to uh, just how much we're going to have Luna holding on to. Hmm. Yeah, I guess um, after I heard it, I thought, well, maybe, have they been saying Yoma? But I guess they have been. That's what the, so that's the word for evil, then, yeah, that they're using? Yeah, that's just kind of the generic name for the monsters uh, hmm. that we've always had for them. Okay. People who have translated it and give, done fan subs and official subs, uh, the official dub, have always kind of called them different things. They've always kind of uh, localized that a little differently. Uh, Ray was really passive in the arcade scene, and that felt very, very odd for her. Uh, she just kind of says that she's already just sort of sick of fighting these monsters, but doesn't really seem that opposed to it. Um, we're in the manga, she was very adamant that she's, oh, nope, I'm too important and busy for this, and if you're not gonna tell us the truth, Luna, about who we're fighting and about why we're fighting then I'm out of the game. Ray has always been very, uh, very fiery, uh, no pun intended, and uh, has always liked to have her way, both in the manga and the original, and the first series. So it was odd to see them uh, portray her so mildly in this scene. Yeah, that's an interesting, I wonder, you know, why that change was made, but maybe we'll see more in future episodes. Uh, okay, uh, I was really surprised, um... That we get to see both of Usagi's parents. That was, well, shocking, because that doesn't happen anymore for the most part in superhero-y things with teenagers. Yeah, no, it's very rare uh, these days for us to have both parents. Usually that's played off uh, to some kind of tragedy. Um, but no, Usagi's got both parents and a little brother. She's got a whole family uh, going on. And I think this was our first real look at Usagi's father. I think up until now we've only seen her mother. Um, her father being an apparently pretty well-respected journalist, since he's being sent to write an article on this really important political gathering, uh, kind of explains why they have such a big house and seem to be generally pretty well off. Yeah, I, I kind of got the impression that he actually owned the paper, but maybe that was just me reading into it. Um, or magazine, rather. Yeah, they've... I don't know if he owns it, they've never really said, I just know that he's always been a journalist, and again, since he's always been sent to, uh, to this gathering in every incarnation, that he's pretty well respected since this was a big deal. 
Yeah, yeah, they definitely did play up that it was, um, you know, not just a small event. So. Yeah. Uh, not only you know is it just interesting that he's there, but it's it's cool the way he was um, played up because I thought he was very sweet, um, wishing for his daughter to be as lovely as the lady running by. Uh, you know, which happened to be her in yeah. her disguise. Um, you know, instead of saying something, I don't know, untoward or lecherous or something. And I know it's a more for, you know, young people. Yeah, but um, still, I mean, even Dragon Ball would do that kind of thing. And that's, that was for kids. Yeah, that was intended true. more toward kids. Yeah, I wonder if maybe, I mean, <laughs> Takeuchi, um, I'm sure wouldn't like that. So, uh, she doesn't seem She's like she... very, very feminine positive, so... Um, I re- she, she wouldn't really do that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just, you know, refreshing, because I see a lot of, uh, probably stuff created by men, um, that isn't so, uh, so gentle and kind and, and loving, um, because, like, the show, you know, there's evil and darkness and stuff, but there's still an innocence and naivete to it that I think is really, uh, healthy, um... So, anyway, I just really enjoyed that, you know, there's yeah, this... No. Uh, Mr. Tsukino was really cute uh, with his line about wanting Usagi to be like that princess uh, was a very deliberate choice. I could have sworn that that exchange was in the manga, but having looked back at the chapter, it wasn't there. Uh, but it was definitely at least in the first series, and I always thought it was kind of really cute and uh, just a really funny thing for them to have done. He, Mr. Tsukino loves his family. The Tsukinos as a whole are very, very close. Even with, you know, Usagi being lazy and getting yelled at by her mother, or bickering with her little brother. They're still a very close family. And again, the, the bickering just makes them feel more real. And the first series kind of yeah, played up on that does. a lot more, uh, since it had more time. So I'm glad to see that a little bit of that got carried over into Crystal. Okay, so uh, the romance uh, budding between Usagi and Tuxedo Mask um, is nicely done. Uh, the scene with them dancing was really sweet. And she knows, it seems like Luna knows, but I'm not sure if Usagi knows that Mamoru is Tuxedo Mask. Um, Luna definitely knows. We see in the cold open that Luna's figured out Mamoru is this unknown factor. She knows he's Tuxedo Mask. I, Usagi doesn't know yet, but I think she didn't recognize him as Mamoru at the party. She was only seeing him as Tuxedo Mask, uh, because he had the mask on. Um, but the scene between the two of them was really sweet, and again, this episode is a lot of foreshadowing, uh, for the two of them and the story overall. Um, once we're further and we've gotten all of that backstory, definitely come back to this episode. Uh, it'll give a lot more depth to what happened here uh, once it's revealed. And a lot of things uh, will make sense, such as him reacting to Luna. And it, it'll seem a lot sweeter once you kind of know where the two of them are coming from. Cool. Yeah, anything that makes uh, repeat watching um, something you want to do is uh, I don't know, great. <laughs> I mean, it's that much better. It enriches the story, so... Cool. Um, okay, uh, I'm really excited about this last point. Uh, <laughs> I love it. It's great. Are you familiar with Guyver at all? Only like in passing. Okay. Not well, very I, well. I I think I've watched the '90s dub, the you know horrible manga entertainment '90s dub. Like um, it's 12 episodes. I've probably seen it like five or six times through since uh 
you know, I got it in, uh, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe. Um, so, in the awful or cheesy live action movies. Um, so I'm like, he has a laser beam thing on his head. And, uh, anyway, so this is why I'm excited. Sailor Moon now has a head laser cannon. Um, it's really awesome. (laughs) Uh, and, you know, more than just the spectacle of this laser cannon, which is friggin' sweet. And I, I, I want to go back and watch that again just for that. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was great. Um, the interplay between the personal lives and, you know, their mission, um, it makes a lot of room for stuff like this. And what I mean by that is something you highlighted earlier is that the fact that emotions uh, inform directly, like, their powers or what they can do at different times... Um, it makes it neat, uh, because you can have cra- kind of crazy stuff come out of left field like this because it's magic, and it's based on those positive feelings. Yeah, uh, Moon Twilight Flash, which is at least what it was called in the manga, I can't actually remember if she said that in uh, Crystal, but that being incarnated as a forehead laser was amazing. <laughs> well, what was it before? Um, it's, in in the manga, they just kind of it happens, so I've just always kind of imagined it as just being this really bright flash of light. In the first series, her tiara was never destroyed, so she never got a new one, so it was oh. just, she just used the boomerang attack again. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Since it's just described as, reflect the moonlight off your tiara, it, again, I just always kind of assumed it was this bright flash of light, but to see her actually doing it this way... It's like she's harnessing the power from the moon into this crazy laser <laughs> that she just shot at at a Kunzite. And again, it caught me so off guard and was just it felt really, really powerful. Just the moment and the attack itself, like wow. Yeah. <laughs> and just the way they showed it as this really big laser. Really it was like, like a school bus. <laughs> and like it it kind of pushed everything else away. Like you could kind of see the darkness pushed out and dissipating. It was done really, really well. Uh good on you, Toei for <laughs> uh for doing it this way. Well done. Yeah, I, <laughs> sorry, I have to, like, be geeky a little bit more. Um, like, the way you described it just being a bright flashlight, that reminds me of Kamen Rider Black has this Kingstone Flash, which, um, it's basically, like, light flashes and then stuff happens just cause, you know? Um, which, like, in the manga, it, it kind of, it's like a blackout or a whiteout event and, like, it's very mysterious, but in the show it's a little more cheesy. Oh, um, yeah. but, like, this was awesome. Like, um, to talk a little more about Giver, he like rips open his chest and then absorbs energy. Oh wow! He's wearing armor. Sorry, it's a bio armor. Okay, so he like rips sure. open his, the armor plating on his chest, and then these things, these like orbs, gather all this energy, and then they create a huge laser called the Mega Smasher, and it just like blasts through things. Like very similar to what what um the Moon Twilight Flash, which is an awesome name by the way. Um, what it does here, like it's very reminiscent, but this almost feels even more powerful because it's. Like, quicker and just, you know... Anyway, this was just awesome. Yeah, like, uh, again, I had always imagined it kind of as a scaled-up magic version of, like, just reflecting the sun, like, off your watch. 
<laughs> right, right. Like, I just imagine it being kind of a bigger version of that that could actually do some damage, but this, this felt like really, really powerful. <laughs> and this is kind of the first kind of energy attack that we've seen Usagi use. Up until now, she's used uh, the boomerang. Whereas this is more uh, her directly using power instead of a physical object. All right. Yeah, and it was sweet. <laughs> it, very well done. Uh, All right. <laughs> we got our first look at Sailor Jupiter at the tail end of this episode. Uh, kind of riding on my own excitement here going into this. Uh, she, Jupiter's another character that's pretty special to me, uh, a lot like Mercury was, so uh, be prepared next week, next episode. Uh, but I know a lot of people in the fandom also have a huge soft spot for her, so I'm really excited to see how Crystal's going to take her on after we got from, what we got from Rey, and especially what we got from Ami, uh, with how powerful Ami's episode was. I'm really excited, knowing the plot of Jupiter's introduction, to see how they handle this. Great. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, it's it's probably good for the budget and for the team and everything that uh, they're doing this two-week, you know, schedule, stretching it out over the full year. And I, I wonder if, um, like, when they can, they're speeding up production by doing, uh, you know, more than an episode at a time, if they can. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, kind of stack things, it up. Things from other episodes. Um, so hopefully... Like, everybody will get a break towards the end of the year because they'll have it all finished before, like, a month or two before. But, um, like, it's hard a little bit to have to wait. But, um, but it's really good and it's, uh, it's been a rewarding watch so far. Yeah. Again, next, next week's gonna be really good. I'm putting that promise out there. We're gonna have a lot to talk about next week. Great. <laughs> yeah, and I, not, I even, not um... next week, but, oh, you yeah. know, in two weeks, but <laughs> right. I'm used yeah. to things coming out weekly, so that's, yeah, the next moon speak's gonna be great. Um, yeah. and the funny thing is, like, technically, I think this episode, uh, like, ranks a little bit lower than the others, but a few key elements, like, make it more fun, if that makes sense. There were a lot of really fun bits to this episode, even if there wasn't kind of as much, kind of, let's go excitement. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of good stuff that moved the story. Uh, in Masquerade. So, anyway, um, <laughs> sorry for geeking out and uh, being nerdy and going off on different topics. <laughs> no, I mean, you let me go for ten minutes with Ami, so... <laughs> a, a, a little uh, chest armor tearing open isn't a, isn't a big deal, then? <laughs> okay. What's a little tearing open, open chest armor between friends? <laughs> uh, Alright, uh, I guess there uh, we should go ahead and end things. Um yeah. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time. It was a good conversation. Like you said, hopefully we'll have a great one next time, too. Thanks thanks again for joining us joining us for this one, everyone. I, I should briefly say before we actually get out of here uh, that you can subscribe to our show in iTunes, on Stitcher, and uh, through your plain old vanilla RSS reader um, on your Android phone or what have you on your computer. I don't know how you do it, but um, if you go to... Uh, if you go to the post for this episode, uh, you will see, uh, I've laid out the options there for you to go ahead and select those, and, uh, you know, you'll be off to the races, having us come to your device of choice whenever we release new episodes. Yeah. This has been Moonspeak, bi-monthly discussion and review of Sailor Moon Crystal. 
visit trialofheroes.wordpress.com to see text reviews every Monday after Crystal airs and hear new Moonspeak the Monday after that. Moonspeak is part of the Toe Network, where you can find articles and commentary on pop culture and genre fandom, including our flagship show, Uncommon Cast Rx. The opening and closing is a piano arrangement of the uh, New Sailor Moon Crystal song, Moon Pride, played by Josh Agarado, whose work you can find at josh.agarado.net, and also on YouTube. There's a lot of cool work there, so go ahead and check it out if you like this song. <laughs> 